right, we are back. It is the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Um, what's up, Sean? Tom, how's it going, my man? Um, all right, so it's Thursday evening, Thursday the 14th, a uh, week away from the NBA draft, Seven I believe. Seven days. Um, so we're going to do things a little differently this week. We're going to do an NBA draft preview just to get it out there. Um, pretty much everybody in the world's doing theirs, so we figured we'd do a little mock draft analysis. We don't have uh we don't have boots on the ground to do our own mock draft and you know go to all these guys workouts or any of that shit. One day, so, yeah, you know maybe I'd say you know put a timetable on it a year from now. Oh, easily we'll have an, a staff of like easily. thirty we'll NBA be, guys. We'll be only. going to the NFL Combine next March. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know, but this year we'll just we'll just react off um, people that we've used before for the NBA. Um, and we'll go over a few more and uh, MLB things, a couple rumors. And then, um, you know, talk a lot of World Cup. We probably got about an hour of World Cup today. So, yeah, we're uh, let's just let's get it started. Um, so, we'll start off with the mock draft. Um, the Ringer and Bleacher Report are pretty much who we're going to base this off of. Just some reactions. Um, we'll go through picks 1 through 15. Maybe do, you know, our, our minute on each of those teams. Talk about some long shots. And then talk about our individual teams, you know, Brooklyn for Sean and the Knicks for me because those are the most important to us. Um, <laughs> only us. Only us, yes. Well, the Nets only. Yeah. But <laughs> I think the are Knicks are, carry a little bit of weight. Um, all right, so you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is the Ringers NBA mock draft. Who We went off last time. We're keeping it the same. I think Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer does a really good job. So we'll just go based off that. Like I said, we don't have boots on the ground. So we're not going to go and say that we went to any of these guys' workouts or anything like that. But this is as of this morning. So number one um, is DeAndre Ayton. Um, I've kind of been talking this guy's praises since pod number one. Um you know, he's a big man. I think that he is going to immediately impact the offensive side of the ball and in three to four years be one of the best offensive centers and an anchor on that side of the ball. Super athletic, super long. He can take you off the dribble. He can pass. He's not a, um, you know, he's not a Nola Jokic kind of supreme big man passer, but he could definitely make every pass that needs to be made. Sees the floor well. Has a really fluid jump shot. He's extremely which athletic. got better as the season went on absolutely too. and he's extremely athletic not to mention um played through adversity pretty well um with the whole some of it brought upon himself but yeah it's okay it was probably his fault but <laughs> he did you know after the whole sean miller thing go out and have a huge game um i don't really think it was much of his fault because he had a good game when they lost in the tourney yeah, I think the the question in that game was his aggressiveness. I think that he was a little bit passive, uh, you know, in a game where you're a heavy favorite. Uh, I believe that was a they were a two over a fifteen. Uh, Buffalo was the fifteen that knocked him off. Um, that's one of those games where you expect your best player and the consensus number one overall pick in the impending draft to. Uh, to just put the team on his back. It didn't happen, but Arizona had its own problems. You could see they were probably a little bit shaken from that whole controversy too. So I definitely don't hold that well, against that him. He was a lost, freshman. They lost their third best player for most of the year due to PEDs, believe it or not. Um, and, you know, it's funny that they they are the biggest benef- the ben- biggest beneficiaries of Virginia losing because that would have been the biggest talk had Virginia not lost, but we all forget that Arizona was a two-seed, and that was one of the bigger upsets in the history ever. So, yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a stud. I think this might be a year where he gets better as the season goes. Who knows how the 
ebbs and flows of a long NBA season take a toll. But if, I, I mean, he's the athlete that could that could definitely hold up for that time. And you're going to see him in two or three years become that dominant. Big I think man. offensively, you're going to see flashes in the first two or three years. Defensively, it's going to take a little bit more time, and that just takes effort as well. I mean, honestly, like 75% of defense is just putting in effort on every single possession. Um, and I think, you know, by year three, four, even five, he's going to be dominant on both sides of the ball. And he's going to be, you know, especially in a league that's starving for big men when you're talking about Clint Capella being one of the best big men in basketball right now. Um, he's he's definitely going to be one of the best big men. And he's definitely probably already better than Clint Capella on the offensive side of the basketball right now. So moving on to the next pick, um, I, I don't really have an argument with that with DeAndre Aiden. I think, honestly, um, and we've said this before too, I think it's two players in this draft and then everybody else, um, that being Aiden and Luka Doncic. I'm, I'm Which extremely is enamored with Luka Doncic, but of course the Sacramento Kings with the second pick, according to this, go ahead and take Marvin Bagley. That's very Kings-esque. Um, Bagley... We've said this before. He's kind of, I think he's going to be the best off of the off the jump. But I don't think there's any more. He'll hit his ceiling quick, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes, I think he's a twenty and ten guy. But I don't think you can win a championship with him. I don't think he's going to be great defensively. I don't really like the Jaleel Okafor comparisons because Jaleel Okafor is a lumbering, slow-footed. Um, He's a throwback player that doesn't play center. in today's NBA. But I, I don't know if you watch Marvin Bagley play, but he had some of the most ferocious athletic dunks I've seen in a really long time in college basketball and completely dom- dominated a college basketball game. Does that Justice translate Winslow to the NBA? had that too when he was at Duke, and that hasn't Different quite type of player, translated I think, right, but that athleticism was there, and he I hasn't I think quite Bagley's going to be one of those guys that puts up numbers, but his team is never going to be – you're never going to associate him with winning. Fair. You Could you see him being kind of how um, Dennis Smith Jr. was this year, where he gets off to that torrid start, and by the end, as Donovan Mitchell took over for Utah? Oh yeah, you're I seeing could see another him another guy, mm-hmm. um, maybe who we haven't discussed yet down the line, who ends up kind of taking over that Donovan Mitchell role of this year on a yeah. playoff team, no less. But no, you know what's crazy about the top fifteen is that they're, uh, uh, you know, the top at least I would say twelve. All guys that you could make a case are in the league in a, in a couple of years, aside from I think a few, or you can make a case are one of the best players in the league. Like there's there is high upside in this top twelve. Uh, aside from you know last year was a super excluding Donovan Mitchell, a top heavy draft, and I think this is one of the deeper drafts when you talk about the top fifteen. Um, so yeah, Marvin Bagley, I think he's never going to be a defensive guy. Always going to be offensive. Um, Sacramento pulls him number two. Uh, number three going to Atlanta. There's your boy. Luka Doncic. I don't really see Atlanta doing this, but we will run with it. I think I'll put it to you this way. If you are the best, if you're, first of all, he's 19 years old. He was the best player on a team of 28 through 30 year olds in a league that was considered the second best league in all of the world behind obviously the NBA, a much more superior league to college basketball. And you not only win the MVP of the championship tournament, but you also 
sing, put the team on your back and win the tournament, I think that has to say something. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think the winning aspect of it, too, to be such a great player with a lot of older contemporaries, that, that in itself is impressive. But when you analyze it from the winning component, which, you know, some of these stars, as we just mentioned with uh, DeAndre Ayton, didn't win a big game, you know, that there's an experience regardless of what league you're playing or where in the world you're playing. And this guy's running point. Right. So don't forget. He's playing the hardest position there is. Yeah, there's something to be said for somebody who knows a winning culture or knows how to drive a winning team early in his career um, because, you know, that's just experience that you're going to run with, particularly if you're a high draft pick. You're hoping that within the few years, you're the building block of that next championship team or playoff team that that team is going to have. In this case, Atlanta, who knows uh, what the case may be, uh, and obviously a very um, building and already top-heavy Eastern Conference. Yeah, absolutely. And we should probably preface this before moving on with anything. Um, we're going to do the same thing we did with the NFL when we talked about the mocks. I'm sure moves will be made and trades will be made. They always are. And it'll be very exciting, just like last year, one of the most exciting pre-drafts ever. But we're going to just go based off what it is right now because we could sit here until the draft next week and talk about trade scenarios and where players are going to go. I'm still a little shell-shocked from uh, five years ago's uh, draft night trade with the Nets. So if we don't talk about speculative trades, I'm good. Billy King? (laughs) Billy King. All right, so moving on, number four. Next year we get our pick. <laughs> How moving, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> moving on, number four. Um, you got Michael Porter Jr. going to Memphis. This is a this this is one of the biggest upside plays ever, right here. The guy was a big time five star recruit, the number one player in the country before Bagley came out last year. Bagley, I think, is still superior to him. And this guy, it's just all about can he stay healthy. He is. Um, got you know like a seven foot plus wingspan. He's six foot nine. Uh, can shoot like a guard. Even can shoot off the dribble a little bit. His ball handling skills aren't that great. And you saw him in a scrimmage, and then you saw him again in a tournament game for about ten minutes. Um, yeah, he came back against Kentucky in the SEC championship and didn't look great. Um, you know, back injuries are hard, man. Those are tough injuries, regardless of how young or old my you point are. Exactly. Yeah, I um. This is the type of guy where if in three years you walked up to me and said, um, Michael Porter Jr. is making a comeback and he's playing on Stefan Marbury's team in China, I'd be like, that makes sense. And, and, you know, or he could be like a guy where constantly, like, look at a guy like Chandler Parsons. The guy had all the promise in the world, but he's had so many injuries and his career is essentially over. You know, they're talking about Memphis packaging their pick and, and, and Chandler Parsons for, for, um, for a guy, you know, I mean, I think this is an incredible upside play. I could be completely wrong, and this guy could be a 10-time all-star, but I just think at, with this pick in this draft, the risk is too much to take a guy that already sat out almost basically an entire season due to a back injury, which you could speak to injuries much more than me. I mean, a back injury at this age is not good stuff. It's not good, particularly the severity of the one that he had um, that cost you almost an entire year. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is... When you look at a Memphis, there are safer picks in this draft for sure of names that we're going to get to on down the line. I think when you, if you're not going to trade the pick, you have to take your chance with one of the highest ceiling player available simply because you're so far away from contending. Obviously, you have Golden State 
you you're gonna have Houston and you've got Utah who's up on the come up. You've got Oklahoma City who's still gonna who's still gonna be a fringe playoff team and everybody else in between. You know, you you could maybe get the safer player that might look better at the time. But I think if you're Memphis and you're gonna keep that pick, you gotta draft the best available player in this case, uh, Porter, and hope that he you know lives up to the hype and potential and can stay healthy most and foremost. Yeah, and going up, going up next. This is number five. It's Dallas, uh, Jaron Jackson. I think this guy is like a sure thing, like um, a walking double double, and he's going to be a defensive anchor. Um, he's one of the guys that I think can step out and guard some of the smaller players. Um, he can guard the you know two, three, four, five. Not for an extended period of time, but if he's if he's a switch, if he gets switched out onto you name the guy dribbling the ball, you're not gonna hold your breath and be like, oh my god, he's gonna get carried out in a fucking body. Well, bag defensive right versatility now. and athleticism is what the new age NBA yeah, is. So and if, pick you and can, rolls, if you can, but he can pick and pop as well. Right. I mean, and he's an he's a supreme athlete. I, you know, and and. Him playing at Michigan State this year did not do him justice. Tom Izzo did not play him at the right position. He insisted on playing Bridges at the four and him at the five, where Bridges should have been a wing player and he should have been a four. Yeah, and you know if you're just looking at Dallas in this situation, they have they took the freakish athlete last year, Dennis Smith Jr., who was coming off that big knee injury, but showed flashes of brilliance and supreme athleticism. Uh, this year in his rookie campaign. So if you can get a guy to pair with him, I mean, they were the oldest team in the NBA by a lot, especially with Nowitzki struggling up and down the court. Young athleticism and versatility is going to be something that um, Rick Carlisle and the rest of the Dallas organization is looking to looking to take put into their system as they uh, as they grow in, in within their organization. Yeah, and the Mavericks need a player right now because you know Dirk's Dirk's going to retire soon, and also they haven't done jack shit since they won that championship literally nothing you know they've been caught in between tanking and then they got caught up they had a much older roster that year that they won so that was naturally gonna yeah but they haven't done anything they haven't decided to tank they got into the deandre jordan sweepstakes which isn't much of a sweepstakes at all no um actually they're lucky that didn't work yeah no absolutely they would probably be in the same boat just more tied up cap um, you know, they, they, they mortgage their future on some bad guys, you know, bad contracts too. And now you're basically in limbo. So you need to make a player pan out right now. Dennis Smith Jr. Is he going to be a guy where you look back and he has, you know, a really good career stats wise, but never does anything. I don't know. I think you got to surround him with players like Jackson and he's the right guy to have having two dynamic athletic players nice within a year of each nice other. Yep. That, that could be, um, those could be the first two building blocks for, uh, up and coming, uh, Dallas team. All right. Coming in at number six, Orlando, another team that kind of reminds me of an incompetent organization that's coming from Knicks and Nets fans. Um, like a sacrament. Yeah. We don't, we don't throw away around that term very loosely. No, yeah, um, <laughs> Mo Bamba. Um, you know there was that YouTube video of him popping threes, and he hit like ninety-five percent of them. Really fluid-looking jump shot. The guy's got like an eight-foot wingspan. Um, length on about length. athlete. Yeah, no, great athlete. Super skinny, but you know he can. You can put weight on that frame. Um, and I saw a couple people were saying that he is an athletic shooting version of Rudy Gobert. 
So are you describing the greatest player of all time right there? Because that sounds like it to me. That sounds exactly what it what or that's exactly what it sounds like. And rather. This is yet I another don't know. this is an upside grab right here. And this is interesting for the uh, the magic. I mean, they went with Jonathan Jonathan Isaacs last year. I mean, he was in Orlando, so how much of a year could he have really had? Um, I think they could really use a guard, and I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Young goes here. But, you know, definitely an interesting pick and an upside play. Um, the guy is going to be making an immediate impact protecting the rim, that's for sure. And he's definitely a guy that can catch lobs. It's just I don't know who's going to throw him the lobs. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're in Orlando's position – um, kind of unlike Memphis, because Memphis still has, you know, two max contract guys. So they're kind of caught in the, do we want to win now? Do we want to unload these guys? Orlando, no. They need to build for the future, and they sh- they need to take a shot. Yeah. Know? Oh, absolutely. And that's, once again, you're getting into the conversation of what player is maybe safer. Because you look at a player like Mo Bamba, he has all the skills to be, as you said, with that comparison and description, is this the best player of all time? Is this the best prospect? But then again, you never know how he's going to pan out. Is he going to put on that size that's necessary? Is he going to um, develop that jump shot to be consistent? He's so young. Do you go with the high upside? He could be a guy who's, who never really pans out, has all the talent in the world, or he could develop into that next up-and-coming superstar. Um, freakish athleticism is is on display all across the landscape of the league, and if you could get this a is guy, an athletes league, man, it's like Giannis. It's like Giannis out there in Milwaukee. You know, like when he came in, he had all this talent. Nobody was really sure. It kind of took him a tiny bit there to get going, and once he did, he's blossomed into easily a top ten player. Maybe you would put him in the top five, yeah. depending. So, but as the difference far as from, athlete, difference between Bamba and Giannis is that. Well, besides the position, Giannis is basically can play one through five, and I think Bamba is going to be a true center, um, is that Giannis was homeless in Greece when he entered the draft. Well, he wasn't homeless at the time, but he grew up homeless in Greece um, playing on you know VHS tapes is what they were watching. We got a full season of Bamba at Texas. Didn't really dominate, but I think he's he's young and he still needs to grow into his body. Yeah. He's a young guy. He looks like a baby deer running out there, and I, I just think he needs to grow into his body. Yeah, no, I agree, and it takes it takes uh, it takes players like that too a couple a couple years to really get into it too. You got to keep in mind he was a freshman, he played one year at Texas, it, young, has all the talent in the world. But you know what? We'll see what ends up happening with him because if you can give him a couple years on a bad team, that's you can run him out there, you can let him get his feet wet, let him take his lumps. It, you look for progress within a year, two, three, four. I mean, Orlando's not going to go anywhere, so you can go off that. Yeah, so next up we got uh, Kevin Knox, another super young guy. I believe he's still 18 out of Kentucky. This guy put up like 30 points on one of the best defensive teams in the league, West Virginia. I think this is a steal for Chicago. I think, I mean, this this might be crazy, but I think that he should go forward to Memphis and you could flip-flop him and Porter. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the draft. I think he's already got offensive moves that are going to play in this league off the dribble, good pull-up shooter. He can handle the ball. I mean, he's only 6'6", only 6'6". That's crazy to say, but, you know, he's Comparatively to some of the other guys we've discussed. Yeah, no, but he is a super athletic um, guy that has no fear, and he's a great scorer. And, you know, I think he's... I think he is... um, you know, kind of being scrutinized because Kentucky had a, an off season for their standards recently. And I think that had they gone to the national championship, he'd be a top three pick. 
But, you know, I really think that he should be the four pick to Memphis if you're going by this draft and they want to get a, a, a wing that's going to play a lot. Um, he would look perfect for Memphis. He He's he's already really skilled, probably the youngest player in this draft. Um, and he's only going to get better. And he just looks like he's got, you know, that instinct out there to score. And he just looks like a really good player. I really like him. Yeah, and Kentucky, you know, as you, as you were mentioning before, is that's an organ or that's a team rather that they it, you're not always going to get that chemistry because they're a young team every year with of freshmen and sophomores that you know for the most part some of them are not going to quite develop that comfortability level with the rest of their with the rest of their teammates. So maybe if they did catch fire in the tournament and go a little further, you would have a couple more games where he could have really. Um, really played well to elevate his draft stock interesting take on your point to on your part to point to him maybe going four we'll see i mean those those kentucky players he won't man, but those i Kenta- think he deserves it. those kentucky players man they always pan out i mean they they are they are coached well they're put in a system that makes it very difficult for them to be comfortable and they really work on their game and you see a lot of these guys that come into the league um that that really translate a quickly and b become good for a while. Yeah, um, and you know the last year is Kentucky guys. I mean Fox had a decent year, and mark my words, Malik Monk will have a really good comeback second year. I I feel it. Um, so moving on to number eight, you have Wendell Carter Jr. going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. This guy, you know, he was just a product of Marvin Bagley being one of the best players in college basketball. Um, I think Marvin Bagley was probably the best player in college basketball last year, honestly. Consistently start to finish. Yeah. yeah. Better than Trey Young and definitely better than um what's what's the, what's the guy's name? Brunches? Well, oh, um Brunches, yeah, from yeah. uh from um from uh Villanova, Villanova. but yeah, definitely well, Br- better. But, well, Brunson, but no, I I believe that truly truthfully DeAndre Ayton, just skill set wise, was the best player. But from no, absolutely. start to but finish, stats, stats and consistency, yeah, Bagley was the best. And they went further in the tournament. And once again, you know, not that the March Madness tournament is everything, but if you get more big games, more to, eyes to, on you, more, yeah, and you and you play well. I mean, I think that's truly what got De'Aaron Fox that high, that as high of a pick as he did going to Sacramento. So, yeah, I mean. Some in college, you you kind of need that one star, um, in this case Bagley to offset Carter, and I'm sure Carter took some pressure off Bagley as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Carter is going to be a really skilled big man, and I think he can show off a little bit more athleticism than he's given credit for. Um, he could be a good lob guy off the top, you know, like a uh, Clint Capella I alluded to earlier. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a decent pick for Cleveland. Now, just to a question for you. Around. I know we don't want to speculate too much on the trades, but that pick coming over from Boston, which was the net pick, um, what does Cleveland do with that pick? Do they use it? Because they, if they're trying to keep LeBron, you know LeBron likes his veterans. Do they use that as capital, or do they make a pick for another team contingent upon the fact that they're going to trade it just to get your take I don't, on it. I don't know, man. That's it's interesting. To speculate on Cause I think you got to go to LeBron and be like, we can go out and get, I think the deal has to be almost done. Cause you know, the, the same thing almost happened with the Kyrie thing yep. and then it didn't happen. Right. So, I mean, this is a little different cause it's a pick. It's not a player. 
Um, but you know, I think you got to have a deal in place and say, listen, LeBron, we have this deal done. Do you like it or do you not? Are you staying or are you not? And if you don't give us a definite answer, we're not we're doing taking it. You yeah. know, unless it's a deal that they if would LeBron's do even gone, if LeBron Carter left. is a good piece for that team. Cause yeah. you know, they're going to go into full rebuild mode. If LeBron I mean, listen, leaves that they're going to try to trade. I'm not love Cleveland. And everything yeah. from there. I'm not Cleveland, but if I was, if I, if I was in that position, I would say, this deal is as good as done. All I need you to do is give me a verbal commitment. You don't even have to sign today. You can drag it out. Just give me a verbal commitment that you are staying, and we'll put the deal through. And then, you know, we're not even going to speculate who would do it or what's going to happen. You know, but it would be really Well, the tough part with that is it, in more ways than one, kind of what happened in 2014 in Miami. I mean, Miami drafted Napier because LeBron, that was LeBron's favorite player coming out of the draft. Yeah, but they didn't draft him. They didn't draft him number eight. True. You know, that's, there's a big difference between, but they did move up to get him number what? 27 or something. No, they moved up to get him in that draft, but it wasn't anywhere near the lottery. This is once again, a verbal commitment from LeBron doesn't always mean something, especially if he could go up and leave Pat Riley. So LeBron tweeted that he liked him. LeBron never said he was going to stay in Miami ever. No, but the speculation was if Miami took the player he liked that he would stay. I, we don't have to get into the whole thing, but it's an interesting conversation because that number eight pick is going to be contingent upon Really, what does Cleveland want? And if they trade the rights, is that Wendell Carter or not? But I think Wendell Carter would fit in pretty well on, if that is the case, a rebuilding Cleveland team. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't even talk about if it would fit in well because God knows what the team is even going to be. I mean... He'll have opportunities, though. No, yeah, of course, but who knows who's even going to be on the team. You would think that Kevin Love wouldn't be on the team. You would think that... J.R. Would... Smith. Well, of course. I don't even know if he'll be on the team anyways. <laughs> but I don't... I, don't I, I think there's a better chance he's not on the team if they're not rebuilding, you know, if LeBron stays. But, you know, they'll probably keep Clarkson, Nance... We'll keep any young guy with, with upside. Yep. Yeah. But moving on uh, to number nine, I think this is the big, this is the big conversation. And uh, this one's a super controversial one. Um, I'm really happy to talk about it, though. Um, go for it, Trey Young. I I like this pick a lot. I don't want to say love, but I like this pick a lot. The guy dominated college basketball all season. The guy almost dragged his team to a tournament win on his own. I don't know if you were. I don't know if you were watching the game. Yeah, the game but in Rhode he was Island. Literally surrounded by a, four garbage cans trash cans out there okay and i really like it because i'll give you i'll give you a few reasons okay one the pick and roll with porzingis would be incredible if the guy can shoot like he did in college with that kind of confidence i think it would be it would translate perfectly to the nba not be able to see that till 2020 2009 he got he got injured early enough to where i think he'll be back by mid-season okay but moving on i think that he is a very, very good playmaker, and he showed flashes of that when given the opportunity, when his teammates made the baskets off of the passes that he made. You can't do that so often when you're playing with a JV team, okay? And third and most importantly, I think last year's draft pick translates really well into it because this guy is a... In, you're talking is, Frank? Frank, Frank, Frank Nilakina, yeah. This guy is a defensive liability, and Nilakina isn't a playmaker. He's not going to be, he doesn't want to be a ball dominant point guard. He is going to play off the ball, 
and he's going to want to shoot. His jump shot's going to get better. I will tell you that. Um, supposedly he's already working on it. His jump shot will get better. As long as he can be a spot-up shooter and guard the other team's best guard, then I think Trey Young's a really good pick for the Knicks and, and for the Knicks and a competent pick. And I think that he they're going to have a lot better player development with their new coach. You hope so. If you're a Knicks fan, you hope so. If you're the Knicks organization, you hope so. I mean, Trey Young is an interesting guy because through the early part of the of the NCAA season and particularly once they got into conference play he was up there with Colin Sexton and DeAndre Ayton as the best players in in the in college basketball um going from there though I saw him put up a lot of duds and I understand his supporting cast wasn't great but in that URI game he hit some shots that kept them in the game not a doubt about it but I also remember him taking some wild hucks early in a shot clock trying to score six points on a deep three you know like maybe that's young player maybe that's hey I need to do this all myself and 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 make a shot that's going to ignite and spark this team the comparison that that I kind of get a little out of just from another Oklahoma player is he could be a buddy healed. He scored a lot of points. He hits a lot of threes or he could be that, you know, 10 years later, Steph Curry that the Knicks wanted so badly. I, I wouldn't even compare him to Steph Curry because he doesn't have the length or the Steph He's got that range six, though. Three, six, four. He's got the range on the shot, but it ain't all about but that. That's the comp they're making. You oh, know, yeah. that. of course, of course. I just want to see a competent guy that is that's you know doesn't even need to be Steph Curry, but that can make a shot and that can make a play on a pick and roll because you know if you have Nilakina hitting shots and you have Porzingis an asset in the pick and roll, which it's a pick and roll league right now, that'll be a really fun team to watch and a really it'll be you know they're not going to make the playoffs next year. I don't expect them to do that, but if they can make improvements and still end you up can't somewhere botch in the, this pick, yeah, and end up somewhere they in the late botch lottery, this pick. I'd be happy with Trey that. Young is a safe pick where if he's taken, it's a brand name, it's a name that even you know passive college basketball fans know. Um, Nick fans will be all over, all over the prospects of who might go nine. Um, Trey Young could be somebody that could excite that franchise for sure. Unlike last year, you know, Neil Keenum might turn out to be a really good player, but with all the other really talented players on the board, that was not a universally liked pick. Well, yeah. And, and I know that was done by Phil Jackson. Yeah, this is not got Phil fired Jackson. Three days later. Exactly. But you, if you're the Knicks, you cannot botch this. You cannot botch this pick. You have to hope that whoever you take is going to be, a solid contributor for you for the next five, six years and turn into a fringe star at least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see it happen. Um, you know, I can't wait to react to their pick to either yell and scream or be just happy. I'm hoping that I get a little jets luck. It'd be really nice to have some, you know, another Sam Darnold esque pick. Um, moving on, we got uh Mikhail bridges from Villanova. Um, going to Philly. So staying home, going to Philly. Um, Another top 10 pick for Philly. Yeah. I don't think this pick gets much better than that for Philly. Um, you get a, basically a ready-made NBA player. The guy's 22 already, probably the oldest player that's in this lottery. Um, 
three and D guy galore. He's got a lot of length, can guard positions one through four, can hit a three. You don't need a point guard. You don't need a big man. So what do you want? You want the one in between a three and D guy. Doesn't get much better than this. He can fill the Robert Covington minutes. That guy looked terrible in the playoffs. Trade him away. If you have a starting lineup of, you know, Simmons, Redick, Dario Saric, Bridges, and Embiid, you know, if LeBron doesn't come, that's a good team. That's a very good team. Yeah. And young, athletic, and like you said, uh, can D can up. Which... I think Bridges is already a better player than Covington. And with all due respect to Covington, because the guy made his bones in the D League, came up, and he's had a decent career. You know, he he was just, he bricked every shot he took in that Boston series. I couldn't watch the guy play anymore. You know, every time he shot the ball, every single Boston fan was saying, thank you, God. And you cannot have that in the playoffs. And I think this guy's a knockdown He was crushing shooter. your bandwagon dreams. Yeah, no, he was. <laughs> he was he was upsetting. Um, but, yeah, I think this would be, if Philly doesn't trade this pick to try and go out and get a Kawhi Leonard or, or whatever, who knows what happens bet- between now and next week. I think that um, Bridges would be a really good pick for them because he, he deserves it to be in the lottery, but he you you'd would rather. He's safe. Exactly. Ex- that's the perfect adjective to describe him because he's not going to be, you know, a superstar, but his floor is not anywhere near the guys of Michael Porter or Bomber or any of these guys either that they don't really need. He's a guy that you're going to look at. He fills a need, which at this point... Well, he fills a need now short-term and long-term. Absolutely. And at this point, Philly is trying to fill needs. Playoff teams are trying to fill needs. Other teams are looking for superstars in the lottery. And how rare is it that a a good playoff team, an up-and-coming playoff team that made it to the second round is Unless you're the Boston Celtics that steal picks from other teams. Very rare. Yeah. Absolutely, very rare. Yes, we, we um, we're well aware. So moving up to num- moving down to number eleven, the Charlotte Hornets take Colin Sexton. This guy, um, he I, he really reminds me of um, DeAndre, F- or sorry, Darian Fox. Um, just super so quick, super quick, so quick and athletic. I don't think he's as skilled as Darian Fox. And I don't think he's as good of a jump shooter, which is a problem because Darian Fox is not the world's best jump shooter. Um, but I think that he is Sexton can catch fire though. And he's he, a competitor and, and he's early a streaky shooter streaky for sure. It's not consistent. Hopefully, you know, you can clean that up with a lot of practice. Um, but you know, I think this is a good pick for Charlotte. He he likes to play defense. Malik Monk does not, um, but I think he <laughs> can. Also, way to they can it. set each other up pretty well. Yeah, and and you got Kemba Walker still there. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. That that well, could, yeah. maybe true. But if they don't make a trade, I mean, he's under contract at least. So no, I mean that could be a that could be a good spot for him. I mean, you have some quick athletic guards. Uh, playing there with Monk's ability to shoot and uh, Sexton's ability to get streaky from the three, um, you never know. I mean, that could turn into be a very um, – that's a team that could really spread you out if, and, and get into, and get into uh, you know, maybe an eight, seven or eight seed uh, in the East. Yeah, I feel like we say that about Charlotte every year and they just end up really disappointing. And Michael Jordan, greatest player of all time. Not the and best it's weird because you look time. at their roster and it's not bad, but it's not it's not underwhelming, but it's not overwhelming. Well, it's I mean, an eh team. You go out and get a guy like Dwight Howard, and you're like, oh, you're gonna finish right right outside of the playoffs. That's great. Enjoy that. Yeah, or a, or an eight seed. Yeah, and right. then you're gonna get swept, which in is the basketball first purgatory. So absolutely. Um. So next after that, you have back to back Clippers picks. This is um 
I think this has to do with the Blake trade. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, the guy running the organization, I would trust more than pretty much any GM <clears throat> besides Brian Cashman in all of sports. Um, it's Jerry West. And I mean, the guy built the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq as well as, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As well as the Golden he, State Warriors. Yeah, he was the um, he was the engineer in the Shaq trade. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he, the guy's got an eye for talent, and he clearly is still competitive. Likes to win. So um, they got number twelve Miles Bridges from Michigan State going. I really like this pick for the Clippers. I think this guy's automatic scoring off the bench. You know, they comp him to Carmelo Anthony. I think it's just because he's a big, strong guy, but he's in a lot better shape than Melo. You know. Melo, when they when he came in though, was a prolific scorer. Yeah, and I think this guy can really fill it up. And I think playing the small forward position, or even a stretch four position, he's going to be great. Um, I mean, he's built like like a Greek god, like an animal. Like he's Easy. the strongest guy. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I mean, he's he's the strongest guy in college basketball, and he's got a really good jump shot. And I just think between him and Jackson on Michigan State that were misplayed, and that's the reason why they didn't go further in the tournament. Yeah, and we spoke at nauseum to this during, and he can during, defend. during March, is that, you know, for all the credit Izzo usually gets or had the reputation he had, he had garnered early in his career, uh, you would think with all the talent and all of the lottery picks that we've mentioned coming from Michigan State and even later on in the first-round projections, another reason why, how were they not better? And how did these guys not play better together? I mean, to lose to Syracuse, I know Syracuse got hot, but they should not have lost to that team. I really can't lose to that team with this kind of talent. So I look at him, and I think that's another safe pick. And and if Jerry West is making the selection, you you really can't question it. All right, yeah. No, I agree with that. So following up with the 13th pick, Clippers again. Uh, Lonnie Walker, this is the guard out of Miami. Um, super athlete. Uh, besides that, I really don't know what else to say. The guy's crazy athletic, good defender. He put up a really good game against Loyola in the in that round that they lost. Um, he had a good year in the ACC, playing against pretty good competition. Question on him has just been his consistency uh, and his ability He's to young. defend. And it, yeah, and and his defense has been relatively suspect. Um, but once again, it, it's a Jerry West pick. There, if he he's going to get his guy at twelve. If you can follow up with 13 with a guy who maybe isn't as safe as a Bridges, but has the upside, um, you know, you, you really can't question it. And that's a team that they're looking to hit the reset button relatively quickly. I mean, they can, with a couple of good draft picks, they could get right back into consideration, um, maybe with a good free agent signing as well. Yeah, um, so the next next team up is the Denver Nuggets at 14. They take Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech. Um this guy's got a really nice jump shot. The most athletic guy in the draft. Um, just a crazy athletic guy. Um, this is one of those picks. Like we're saying that about everybody, man. I know. It's these, crazy. These guys, but this guy, this guy's even more athletic than the rest <laughs> of them. Um, he's only six foot three. He's a little undersized. Um, and I think if he was Kevin Knox, six foot six, he'd probably be the second pick overall. You know? And I didn't say that too much. I only said Kevin Knox should move up, and I only said he should move up. Yep. But 6'3", so he's going to play more of that two-guard position. Um, I don't really understand why Denver would do this when you have Gary Harris out of Michigan, a young guy, and you have 
who I think is going to be your point guard of the p- future is Jamal Murray, who's looked amazing last year. But you know what? If you're never hurts another- to acquire talent like that because sometimes they don't pan out. I mean, Moutier never panned out for them. So, and that was a consensus, you know, pretty good pick at the time. So, um, why not? You know, once again, at this point in the lottery, you're not you're not at a point where you can say, "Hey, this might fit me better." Take the best player available. Why not? You know, at this point, like you, the best guys are already gone. Look at your big board. Look at Absolutely. the guys that you project who could be the best players in a guard-driven league. Find the guy that could be the next one. I mean, you can never have enough athleticism. You can never have enough uh, jump shooting. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And who knows, Gary Harris may walk or whatnot. They may not re-sign him. You could always get him in the rotation. If if you know if you're if you're good, you'll play. Um, number fifteen going to Washington out of uh, Texas A&M, Robert Williams. I don't know. I don't really know how I felt about this guy's game. I know they made a decent run in the tournament. I don't know. Maybe you could talk more to him. I. I don't I, really know. Good I echo rebounder. your sentiment. I, I, there was nothing that wowed me about good him. Good rebounder, good defender. I mean, you know what I remember from him was two windmill dunks. He couldn't even do a different dunk the second time. <laughs> I, I don't know. You're not giving him any points for creativity, huh? No. I, I really, I don't understand. Um, it's going to be where a team values him. I mean, obviously, this projection um, from O'Connor looks at him and says, Absolutely. "Yeah, you know what? Like, he could be a good player in the league." And at number fifteen, to a team that has talent, is a playoff team. You know, why not look at your board and with all the other guys that you look in the field and say, "Hey, this is this is probably one of the safer bets." Yeah, I, I de- obviously I think he's an NBA player. I even think he's a first round pick, but you know, maybe late, but. Uh, this draft, I guess, falls off after the, you know, I think you can find some gems, but this draft probably falls off after that. Um, I think there's some there's some <clears throat> hidden gems. I mean, there always are in the late ra- in the late first round. I know you've been talking about Grayson Allen a lot lately. I know you're a big fan. I know you want to get it out. You there. just really like to set me up with this, don't you? I am. Yeah, so I, you know, we'll talk about a couple sleepers. Um. You know, we got a little bit of time, so go ahead. Why don't you talk about Grayson Allen? Well, the Grayson Allen is not the one that uh, – I mean, I think he's interesting just because he's a four-year starter and has won a championship at Duke. Supposedly his measurables were really good at the combine. He's I don't one of know those guys that, that I wouldn't – Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he turned out to be a pretty good pro, and I wouldn't be surprised if he turned out to be, you know, just another bench guy. I mean, I don't like him. Uh, I think his act got very stale at Duke, but he's a Shashetsky guy, and you kind of fit him into you know, like a Kyle Singler, um, guys like that who can who can hit the three. They're gonna they're gonna make plays happen because their their ve- their basketball IQ is very high. His basketball IQ is very high. He knows how to win. He knows how to play big games. Um, you know, for for where I sit, looking at my team with the Nets drafting at 29th. If he's available, you know, I, I would take him simply because he could fit into a rotation pretty well. Although I have to say, the Nets are really down, guard heavy, though. But you know, they are thing, guard heavy, but they have some free player. agents, um, which kind of segues me just into one quick little projection: is I would be interested to see where Dante Divincenzo ends up. He's now looking around that range. As a matter of fact, this mock that we've been going off has him going to the Nets at twenty nine. I would actually very much like that pick as a net fan. I would be over the moon if I were the Nets who, you know, well, didn't Joe really Harris deserve a pick in this draft. No, I mean to go this... out and get him. I would be over the moon. I mean, the guy had one of the best performances in the national championship game I've ever seen. He's a supreme athlete. Clearly, has no fear. I think that 
he would do. I think that he would be a starter for the Nets. Yeah, I, what's interesting about where the Nets are is Joe. He's a very comparable player to Joe Harris. He can shoot the three really well, but he's also he's a better athlete. He's a better athlete, but he's he's fearless going to the rim, and that's what Joe Harris is. You know, Joe Harris has built himself up to be a pretty attractive free agent. Um, based off of how he's played in Brooklyn the last few years and developed as not just a three-point shooter, but also kind of a slash-and-dash guy uh, and being able to get to the rim and make some tough finishes. DiVincenzo checks those boxes as well for me, watching him, especially in those big games, as you alluded to, that national championship game where he put on a performance of a lifetime. If he fell to 29, I would be ecstatic. Uh, The Nets only have this pick because they assumed... um, uh, Damari Carroll's oh, yeah. uh, contract from from Toronto in a salary dump last year. Carroll had a pretty solid season, but I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, when you're drafting 29th, especially as we talked about at 15 with and you're 14, taking shots. take the best player available and take a guy that could fit in because you know what? If you can pick a, maybe the next Joe Harris and let Joe Harris walk and, and look at somebody else in, in free agency – you're just allowing your limit or, you know, you're, you're allowing a lot more flexibility on your roster. And I look at this new Nets group and I look at Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. And one thing they can do, which you kind of picked up and you hope that Fisdale can do with, across town with the Knicks is develop young talent. Jared Allen last year was the 20th overall pick. I didn't think much of him when they took him. I looked at a big skinny guy who's going to block a lot of shots, but offensively limited anywhere away from two feet from the basket. I mean, he had a lot of poster dunks this year, but I tell you, his offensive game got a lot better. His overall defensive rebounding got a lot better, and he's turned himself into a future building block on this team. Never would have thought that when they made the pick. So who knows what's going to happen? We're obviously going to digest and analyze and respond to all of these moves that happen after next Thursday, but who knows? DiVincenzo, out of all of the guys like Grayson Allen who are going to fall late, excites me the most just simply because of what he did in the national championship no yeah that that'll wrap it up for the nba talk but i i do think that um divincenzo can make an immediate impact on a team such as the nets just you know not so great team that's just trying to develop talent i exactly. think he'll play a lot and i think he can score i was shocked when he didn't come back to villanova but you know it makes a lot of sense you know what he could get better but you also take that risk if you're him of and if you're a first round pick it's a guaranteed contract it's a guaranteed contract NBA. and and there's always that chance that he sustains an injury or his expectations are really high and doesn't have a good year and his stock really falls i mean Take the chance while you can, and if he does fall in the nets, you have confidence that his game is going to get better because they pride themselves on player development, whether you're a veteran trying to find your way back in into favor in the league or whether you're a young player. I mean, why not? Right, right there, that's a, that's a pretty solid selection if that ends up happening. I'd be excited. Oh, yeah, I would be excited as a Nets fan too. Um, all right, so let's There's let's not a lot on. to be excited about. Yeah, you guys have a good coach put in place, good management in place. Um so let's let's move on to some NFL news. Just do some uh, do some quick laundry here. Um, keep up with the times. OBJ cleared for individual drills. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. He's probably not going to be doing anything that it comes that comes to contact until it's like very necessary. I will be honest um, with you. I don't think he touches pads. I don't think he touches. Co- I don't think he's going to be running a route in a legitimate practice until he gets a contract. Yeah, and if I were him, I, I wouldn't. And, and and part of why I thought this was a good talking point for us today is 
conversely, you have Julio Jones who wants to hold out. Uh, he's three Julio years Jones in. Julio Jones has never – he's not, you know, a pillar – you know, he's not healthy. He's not healthy all the time either. So uh, I could see why because you see these guys getting contracts. And aside from Antonio Brown, is there a better wide receiver in the NFL than Julio Jones? No, I don't think Odell so. Odell Beckham. Uh, I would say I would take Julio Jones. That's tough. Maybe maybe because he's a more proven commodity. But I not think, only that, but I think Odell. Be- I think Julio Jones a bigger guy, more of a possession wide receiver. Um, Antonio Brown has turned himself in as a small guy into a possession wide receiver. I think Odell Beckham's a slant route waiting to be a touchdown every single time. One of the quickest, fastest guys in the league. But Julio Jones, I mean, he can take over a game just. Well, keep in mind, he has time to run those deep routes that Odell has not had an opportunity to run in the last few years simply because when does the quarterback have time to throw? So, but I, I look at OBJ and I say, listen, you're at a point now where you're in the last year of your rookie deal. You've made a lot of money off endorsements, millions of dollars playing in the biggest market in the in the world in New York City and an iconic franchise like the Giants. Football is the one sport where you should have the right to hold out whenever you want. And Absolutely. he has earned Until his they make place. those contracts guaranteed. He has earned his place. You saw in the 2016 season when the Giants won, but... And, and went to the playoffs, but had a just a horrific offense. If it wasn't for him breaking a couple of those five-yard slants into 80-yard touchdowns, they wouldn't have been there. So I, I, he's earned it. He's one of the top three receivers for sure. You yes, go Brown, definitely. Beckham, Jones, in whatever order you choose. I, I can't see a reason why he should step on the field. Get your money, especially he just sustained a very serious ankle injury. You know, that you have an injury like that, your career sometimes is over. So this is a point where if I were him, as much as I'd love to see him on the field opening day with the Giants and in the preseason games as a fan, I cannot hold anything against drag him. into the regular season. I don't think so because I don't think the Giants run things like that. But They'll get it done before opening day, but it could it could become a little bit of a process. Uh, as long as, as as long as he gets his money, I don't want to see them pay him twenty million dollars a year. That's a lot to pay to a guy when you don't have a future franchise quarterback and your current quarterback's thirty seven years old. But I, I don't know. It, it's a it's a catch twenty two because you you can't. I would not penal. I would not criticize him for holding out for that big contract and getting that guaranteed money that he very much deserves. Julio, you got your big payday. Shut up and play. You're in the middle of a $72 million contract where you, you were able to negotiate that extension. You're a great receiver. You're being complimented well by a really good offense, a great quarterback. Shut up and play. Yeah, I don't really like to say shut up and play, but no, I agree with you. At if this you, point in his career, after been, getting that big payday, he should play. No, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree. But, you know, the thing is with the NFL, it's like the same thing. And you can't just single out Julio Jones. Every player does this. Every single player. Because you know what happens? Um, uh, Rob Gronkowski, every year he wants a new contract. And Gronk is because he is the market for tight ends. But every other player, the best player at their position gets a better deal. They think they're better than that said player. And then they're like, I want a better deal than that. And the problem is with the NFL, they're not guaranteed contracts. And they don't have a cap on these contracts like the NBA with these max contracts. And the entire cap just needs to be fixed. Yeah, I mean, you you can never have... There's been one guaranteeing contract in the history of the NFL, and it was Kirk Cousins this year. 
but before before that it never happened. And I think for I think you know maybe they'll come around to it and during the next collective it's bargaining agreement. It's just almost impossible because the owners will never come, do it because yeah. of the risk. It's going to be you know what it's I think that it's going to be a long process, maybe like a 15 year process, but it's going to start with the blue chip quarterbacks and that it'll trickle down to you know more sure positions like offensive linemen that play you know that are almost guaranteed to play as well and then uh, so on and so forth maybe 15 years from now we're talking about Odell Beckham signs a not Odell Beckham but whoever the Odell Beckham Beckham who's in the prime of his signs a five-year guaranteed million dollar deal and it's just not not as much money because everybody knows the ticket price is not it's the guaranteed money that's important with the NFL contract listen you are worth whatever somebody is willing to pay you Julio Jones after his rookie deal his first year was the 2011 season after his rookie deal he should have been paid like a top five receiver. And you know what? He got that paid. He got that payday. He's, he's going to make a lot of money over the course of his career. You are in the middle of that. You have three, you have two more years left on your deal. I think you should play. I think you should play. And I think you should, you should maximize that. And if you play really well, maybe this year, then open up for another two year extension. But Odell, on the other hand, you're trying to get that first big payday. Uh, as a Giant fan, I don't want to see him hold out, but I certainly couldn't criticize him. I agree with you. And then if he does get that big payday, you know he's going to try and hold out again. And then I kind of agree with you where you're saying just be Once quiet Once you get play. the one, you know what, it, it's time to play. Because that one is usually a five, six, and occasionally a seven-year deal. So if you can play through four years of that and you're sh- continuing to show that peak performance... Okay, maybe you can negotiate another year or two in there, but you're you you've gotten everything out of it that you've wanted to. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, we have a few MLB things. Um, you insist on talking about the terrible New York Mets. They released Adrian Gonzalez, who wasn't having the worst year, not the best year. They called up uh, Dominique Smith um, as well. Yeah, a prospect that didn't do much last year when they called him up. But you have to call him up. Nothing's going right, and you got to see what you got out of him because you know what? If he doesn't perform right now, you got to let him. You got to release him. Um, but yeah, they release Gonzalez. Maybe he'll get picked up by a playoff team or something. Um, but yeah, they're even worse. They're they're terrible. They're just they awful. played a game the other day against the Braves. They played a two-hour and twelve-minute game. They were no hit through six by a guy making his second major league start. It is insane. I mean. And Alderson kind of fell on the sword the other day coming out and saying, blame it all on me. Well, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely blame it all on you. So, I mean, I think that it's just a point where you're looking at the Mets and you say, what is next? What is next with the Mets? What is What are they going to do? Is, is That's DeGrom, the issue. Is, they don't is, have a plan. Is DeGrom in the trade talk or not is is Syndergaard in the trade talk or not whether it's with the Yankees which is a pipe dream or whether it's with another organization his value is never going to be higher and he went out in that game the other day through seven innings of one run ball struck out seven didn't walk a guy and lost again I mean his ERA is like just over one and he has two wins I, I mean it's you have to look at it and you have to sell your fan base something I mean, they don't have anybody even in the pipeline that, that looks like they're going to come up and be good. I mean, I'm starting to think Rosario is really just the product of a really bad farm system, and he was the crown jewel of just nothing else. Yeah, I, I, I still hold out hope for Rosario due to the fact that he was the number one prospect in baseball for an extended period of time. And no matter how good your farm system is, you don't get ranked number one 
to be to be bad. You know, I think. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jerickson Profar was the number one prospect in baseball yeah, for about three years at running. times. But I. I think, I mean, at least Jerickson Profar is being a utility player at, at the very least. So I'm hoping that, I'm holding out hope for him. Um, but let's, before before we get too depressed, let's move on to the Yankees. Um, that'll make, yeah, that'll make people a little bit more happy. I mean, Jonathan Loisega uh, got called up. And what's interesting about him is he's going to make Tanaka start uh, tomorrow night. He's only pitched three games above single A, all in Trenton um, at double A. They're making a leap. They're, Saying with this move that Chance Adams has been bad and you don't deserve a call-up, I think they're still trying to protect him down in AAA where he can try to salvage some numbers and be, and still look like an appealing trade candidate. As At part this of point, package. I think he's more trade bait than anything else. Or, you know what? You never know. A pitcher could turn it around in one winter into another, into another spring, but... Yeah, he's more trade bait right now for me. Yeah, and I think they were, you know, Sheffield's appealing, but he still had a little bit of control issues, and he's one of those guys where if you're going to call him up, you'd like him to kind of be the Severino of 15 and 16. Where he's here to stay. Where you know that if you, the only way you get sent back down is as if you're just getting rocked and they need to work on some mechanical things, but the hope is that you're going to anchor this rotation just like Severino was when they called him up three years ago. Loey Sega... Is, as a prospect is very intriguing. I don't know if you know a lot about him, but he throws upper 90s. He's got a drop off the table curveball and his changeup is a work in progress. But listen to these numbers. In 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 his starts, he has walked four guys and has struck out 58. Oh, wow. <laughs> in nine starts. Now, I didn't know too much about single him. Single A and double A. But yeah, but you know what? Were... I like how that plays because, you know, if you're if you're striking out a lot of guys and not walking a lot. You got... Four walks in nine starts with 58 strikeouts. That's the accuracy is there already. And, yeah. and that's interesting to see in a young in a young single A pitcher. Yeah. So the Yankee hope by bringing him up is that he pounds the strike zone, which is always a little bit of a tough issue with young pitchers because you're facing the best in the world now. Now, Tampa Bay is not an offense that's going to light anybody on fire. They they hit Herman for a solo shot on the first pitch of the game tonight. But that's not a team that you look at as an offensive juggernaut. You hope that he can settle down some maybe early inning jitters and, and throw a really good game. And if nothing else, he excites you as a prospect, but also maybe teams look at him and they're like, wow. That's that's another guy that we could maybe ask for in a in a big trade. Yeah, and you know we need you know him to what? start the, during Tanaka's absence too. The Yankees have the hot hand right now, and who knows? Maybe he could st- he could be up for, if he pitches well. He could be up for the rest of the year, and they go out and get Cole Hamels or whatever. And there's your starting rotation when Tanaka comes back. Him and Cole Hamels is in there, and and that that would be great. You know, the Yankees have been the Yankees Cashman lately could do no wrong. So no, he and could end up being up for the rest of the year. I honestly at this point I. Could I would not be surprised if because 99 plays 98 99 plays yes in this and throwing strikes plays yes. what, and I like what I like about the move too is it's kind of followed Cashman you can speak to this too a lot Cashman's recent trend of calling up guys that maybe you could make a case for is not ready maybe you have a guy in the pipeline who's a little bit more polished who's been up in the upper levels of the minors a little bit longer but you know what like when they called up Glaber Torres he only played a, like a month in AAA last year before getting hurt, and he had only been playing you know 15 games at AAA this year. And they called him up because it's like, hey, you know what? Our our other options just aren't there. Tyler Wade didn't separate himself as an everyday player, and they probably looked at a Chance Adams and said, you're not there. Everybody else in AAA, you know, I don't need to see Luis Sessa again. I've seen Luis Sessa pitch. 
he's got good stuff, but can never put it together out of the bullpen. He translates a little better. Cause it seems like that's when he comes into attack mode. Um, I like to see these young, you know, really good upside players. And it's yeah. a little unorthodox, but it seems to be what Cashman's done lately. And like you said, you, you can do no wrong. Cecil will be a fine middle reliever when one of these guys that we have in the middle, middle release section of the bullpen wants a little too much money and you got to let him go in like two years. You yeah. Know? Or, or let him walk. That's fine. But he's definitely not going to be in, in the Yankees rotation. I would not see that happening. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, the world cup happened today. Didn't watch a minute, minute of it. So I can't really give you any scores. How about you? No, uh, no, I did not. But I will promise you that as the days go on today was only the first day of the world cup. Um, one world cup news for the future is North America got awarded the, uh, 2026 world cup, which is going to be played predominantly in the U in the U S but, 10 games in Canada and Mexico, respectively. So, you know, that's exciting for North America to get that World Cup back for the first time in 20 years. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Soccer I is a nice consolation prize for U.S. not making the World Cup and being fucking pitiful. I will I will um, say this about the World Cup. It's not my thing. Um, it is exciting. But it's exciting because you bring – it has the same kind of feel as the Olympics. You know, you're bringing con- – countries are playing each other. You're not, you're not having, you know, Real Madrid against Barcelona. You're having – the the Spanish national team and you're you know the the world loves its soccer and the so U.S. Far, isn't in it. I will be honest with you. If the U.S. was in it, I would probably pay a slightly bit more attention. So far, to it. Russia has beaten. They played today. Russia, the played host country, Saudi Arabia, um, and they won five to nothing. So you give the that's a high score. You give the host country, you know, a layup to yeah. start. Yep, and that's and that's good for Putin, and that's good for everybody else over there. Um, yeah, good for them. Yeah, why not? I mean, as the weeks go by, we will continue to to brief everybody on updates of the World Cup and whatnot. It's not not my thing, but I cannot downplay the significance that it has across the world. And I promise you, if the U.S. was in it like they have been the last few years, you know, it does captivate the general fan very much to the same way the Olympics does, whether it be the summer Even or winter. curling or any of that crap. But yeah, so by the Do you time- have a favorite curler, by the way, from this past winter? One of the guys with the mustache. There you they go. all have mustache. <laughs> um, yeah, so by the time we talk next, the NBA draft will have concluded. Um, and hopefully the Knicks will have not fucked it up. And I hope it's as exciting as last year because there were a lot of ups and downs. Big Lots time of trades. trades. Yeah, that that's from last year's NBA draft. One of the biggest trade drafts ever. Um, it was and the biggest names were gone. Jimmy Butler got traded. So yeah, it was a really interesting Paul draft George. last year. And Paul George. So yeah, um, hopefully by next week we'll we'll be happy with uh, who our teams went ahead and got. And the LeBron saga will continue throughout the next few weeks as well, whether it be draft night or uh, or in the weeks coming. So. Yeah, it'll be nice to see what Cleveland does with that eighth pick because it may allude to what. I mean, I don't think they know what LeBron's going to do, but what they feel LeBron is going to do. So, I think they're going to have some idea which way or another. I think a lot of people... They know more than we do, but I don't they, think they, they know the answer. No, I, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they are... There's a lot of... There's a lot of really strong feelings that he will not be back. And you get a strong feeling mostly because of the way he handled that game. One loss, that supporting cast. Whether they draft somebody good with the eighth pick is is really irrelevant because it's not going to be a, a superstar that he can go play with. Yeah, and one more thing. I don't really think we have to say anything on the LeBron broken hand, this, that. No. They would have got swept the second J.R. Smith forgot to call timeout. 
It was over. Yeah, it was one of I those. I don't think it LeBron, has anything to do with it. I can say this just to. Just, Why are you wearing a cast after the season's over? Is just, my question. Just to put a little bow on it. All right, with LeBron, this really speaks to just the drama that he likes to create, and. I can. These are the reasons why people don't love him, and I can get. I get it. As a player, you love to watch him because he's so great. But he does things like this, or post stupid memes that are cryptic, but not really with a lot of relevance about whatever. You know, I would just love to see him go to Boston and just watch him follow Kyrie, so then Kyrie can be like, "All right, where's my next spot after his last year here is up?" I mean. That would just be fun. That would be funny. Um, who knows what what's going to happen? But yeah, with the, the cast and and cryptic memes that he posts here and there, it's I'm not a big fan of it. I can see why people don't love him. But as a player, it's wherever he goes, they're going to be an instant contender. Even if he stays, they're going to be the favorite to win the East, probably. No, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I will talk to you next week. Let's just hope our teams don't completely blow it. Yep. As always. All right. Have a good one.